Hello, welcome to the L3 Podcast, a podcast production of the Michigan Ministry Network designed and focused to help ministers and church leaders live healthy lives, lead thriving churches, and launch into the communities around them. I'm your host, Aaron Halavin, and we're excited to be with you today. Well, I'm excited to have with us our guest today and uh, longtime best friend, uh, awesome person, great pastor, dad, and husband, uh, Dave Berenger. Dave, welcome to our podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. This is an absolute honor. Well, today we're in the subject of talking about pastoral health, and we have many other segments that we've been covering. But uh, Dave, I wanted to talk today about marriage and ministry. But before I do that, I want you to share a little bit about where you're serving, what you're doing, and uh, and then also I'd ask you if you could just share. I know you've written on marriage both uh, in uh, uh, social media environments as well as a book. If you would just share on that. I know you don't like to promote that for yourselves, but I'm asking you to share a little bit about that because our subject today is something that's dear to your heart. And so uh, please tell us a little bit about what you've been doing and uh, your love for healthy marriages. Yeah, just completed 25 years of ministry, but the past 13 years I've been at Kalamazoo First Assembly, which is called K-First and have celebrated just 13 wonderful years, challenging years, but wonderful years, revitalizing an amazing work. The church turns 90 next year, so I feel wow. like we are part of a great legacy Absolutely. there in the Kalamazoo area. And uh, my heart for marriage kind of got birthed when I was a youth pastor because it began to realize that if I could invest into the parents, uh, we would actually get healthier students because healthy marriages create healthy families, which create healthy communities. True. And so... That's when I started getting passionate about it. And when I came to K-First, I just looked at a community starving for marital health. And I began to blog um, at it's pdave.me. Yep. Sounds self-centered there, but uh, that's <laughs> the website that was easiest to spell. Yeah. And uh, from there, I Maybe produced... it should be pdave.us if it helps marriages. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. I'll, I'll have to call your wife and tell her that needs an adjustment there. And basically, I took like 52 of the most popular blogs and produced a book called Mosaic Marriage. Right. And that's, that's on Amazon. And then from there, um, I've developed Marriage Mondays, which I do something live on Facebook, but on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, every Monday we do about 10 minutes on marriage, just something to grow marriages one Monday at a time. And I would encourage you, if you're listening to this and you're in ministry, let me just encourage you, or even outside of ministry, but certainly uh, these are worthy resources for you to, to look out, check in, get a book, go to the podcast. We're not promoting uh, Dave, we're promoting healthy marriages. Yeah. And when there's good resources, I think we should all tap into that because healthy and great marriages don't happen on accident. They happen on purpose. 100%. Dave, I grew up like you. Uh, your dad was a pastor and uh, my dad was a ministry. Uh, growing up in my home, I had a very different experience than I have learned many have had. Ministry did not rule our house. No. Uh, my dad did ministry. You grew up in the same environment where you had relationship with your dad, you yeah, know, and 100%. it was father to son, not just son to pastor dad. You yeah. Know? He, I wasn't one of his parishioners. Correct. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and in our home at the dinner table, we talked about school and dreams and ideas and our day and, uh, 16 you know, fundamental truths. You debated that no, every meal. Yeah. Yeah. We did not ever talk about 16 <laughs> fundamental truths at the dinner table. We did occasionally talk about our spiritual journeys and our spiritual sure, sure. lives, but we, uh, we definitely, uh, ministry was what my dad was a part of. We all did. It was an expectation as a Christian to serve in ministry, but our home was a wonderful place yeah. to grow up. So I didn't grow up with an adversarial feeling towards ministry and marriage, but 
I've been in this role of superintendent for a while and not a long time, but in my short time, uh, it has become clear to me that there, especially in the younger generations, there mm -hmm. is an adversarial yeah, sense yeah. that people have towards ministry's potential effect on marriage. I believe that ministry doesn't affect marriage if you don't let it. That mm -hmm. ministry and marriage can work together in a very healthy way. Absolutely. But it's a choice. And so as we dive into this subject, uh, we're focusing today on the minister's life and how ministry uh, can be managed while a marriage can thrive and a home can thrive. And so, Dave, before we do that, since you've written on this and you have such a passion for it, what does a healthy marriage, let's just define this at the beginning, what wow. does a healthy marriage look like? Well, I get tripped up on the word healthy or the phrase healthy marriage because we treat it as if it's something we will arrive at someday. Okay. And so what we end up doing is when we talk about healthy marriage, we think about Instagram, we think about Facebook, we see a picture and we're like, gotcha. that's a healthy marriage, but everything is so overly filtered. We look at the highlight reels of people's lives and we don't know what's happening beyond the surface. Right. We look at pastors in the pulpit and we have an image that we want to give and we think the pastor has got it all together. Right. In and fact, so, in culture, church people have often think that pastors are perfect. Yes. And they're not. And 100%. Yeah, yeah hear from our lips. They're yeah. not perfect. Not at all. But healthy, a healthy marriage is not a place we arrive at. It's actually a mode we put ourselves in. I like Because that. you can go into terrible situations. You can go through the loss of a family member. You can go through sickness. You can go through challenges in your church. You can go through 2020 as a pastor. Right. And you can go through very terrible moments, but still be on a track of health. In fact, you can get sick, but you can put yourself on a healthy track. Right. So to me, a healthy marriage is not about what have you arrived at, but what mode are you in and what are you currently cultivating in your life? Because I think marriages should be two things. They should be life-giving and life-receiving. Mm. And what I mean by that is that you are in a mode of serving the way Christ served the church. Right. You got to be in the mode of constantly trying to give life into your spouse, life into your marriage, but also I say life-receiving, which means there's got to be this humility that says, I don't have life altogether. I don't have this all figured out. Right. Um, things are changing. Times are changing. Our bodies are changing. I'm telling you, my wife... Uh, I married her 24 years ago, and she's not the same woman I married 24 years ago. Right. And she's you're changed. not the same guy. Right? Uh, she yeah. assumes I'm the same guy. Right. <laughs> uh, she's like, you're still childish. You're still this, still that. Uh, we joke, but we are completely different individuals than we were 24 years ago. Absolutely. And the only way to, to be on the track of health is that we are constantly trying to give life to each other, but we're also willing to receive life. Right and or help into our lives, whether it's counselors, books, resources. We're looking to be students of our spouses and students within our marriage so that we can receive it so that it becomes like this cycle. I give and I receive, I give and I receive. It sounds something familiar uh, that we would see in scripture, but it's, it's just the same in marriage. Well, so expound on that for just a moment. So when you look at the mode of being in there, I agree with you that it's something you never fully arrive at. You always work towards that. Um, how does somebody posture themselves? Uh, because I, I, see, I think one of the biggest problems in marriages in general, regardless if it's, you know, the, the extra pressures of ministry or anything in marriage in general, one of the things I see is that we sort of get married and we think we won. Mm -hmm. we, we, we married the girl, we married the guy. We know the old adage, uh, 
you know, we, we sort of some change, some don't, some mature, not as fast as others. We get all that. But I think we sort of say, now that we're married, let's just live. Yeah. And I, I don't know if there's an intentionality to marriages that there used to be, or, or even maybe there wasn't back in the day. People just didn't express that. How do you get into that mode of intentionally building your marriage on a regular basis? Well, first, I think when it comes to a wedding day, I think we have to recognize a wedding day is both a funeral and it's a, it's a birthing room. Okay. You've got the death of two individuals and the birth of one individual. Mm. And so if you can look at it from that aspect, you have to realize that a baby doesn't just come walking out of the womb. There is steps of learning how to crawl and walk. But right. the difference is you're learning how to crawl together. Right walk together, live together, operate together. Going from and, single to Exactly, uh, together, and, and right. learning how to cultivate what I would call just a simple, a unity of heart and mind. Right. Uh, Psalms 133, where there's unity, God commands his blessing. And the problem is, is so many of us are trying to get our way that we're, we're realizing we're chasing the blessing of God because we want our spouse to be more like us instead of saying, hey, the two have become one. How has the two become one? And there's some people that are 20, 30 years into their marriage. They've never asked that question. They are fighting the same fights that they've been fighting for 30 years right. because they've never stepped into the unity of oneness. Mm, that's good. And so when you step into that unity of oneness, that's where the command of blessing of God is. Mm. So like when I tell, talk to young couples and, and uh, I've mentioned something like, hey, let's get together. Let me talk to my wife first. They're like, well, why can't you just set it all up? Right. You know, do you need your wife's permission to hang out or right. whatever? And my response is, I don't need her permission on anything. Right. I need her unity. Right. And vice versa. And so what we chase after when it comes to this marital health, and I think this is something that pastors can just miss out on, is we miss out on unity. So when somebody says, I'm called to be a pastor, what does your spouse say? Right. Because the two become one, right. and the both of you are going to hear from God. You may not have the same role in ministry. Or even the same sense of calling. Or the same sense right. of calling. Or, or even feel called to ministry, but you're called to each other. Yeah, you're right. called to each other, and this is a together decision. Right. And if you want the commanded blessing of God on your pastoral life, you need to have a unified right. focus and vision on what you're stepping into. It is simple in terms of ministry, but it's incredibly hard to work through because sometimes we can get so caught up in moments and we call it God. And yet God is not a God of, of discourse. He's right. not a God of disunity. I believe if he speaks to one, he will speak to both. Yep. In fact, I've learned in my marriage <clears throat> when God speaks to me, um, he does speak to my wife and I'm so grateful because because I trust her, yeah. it's the most trusted voice in my life yeah. that I'm hearing right. You know, it's not just anymore, uh, oh, good, God spoke to you, God spoke to me. It's, I believe God spoke to me. Oh, thank God God spoke to you because I trust that you've heard from the Lord and together we walk in that unity. And you hit on something huge that I don't think people understand enough is what trust looks like in a marriage. Yeah. Sometimes, and I've heard it preached this way, you trust me because I'm the man. Oh. I'm the head of the house. Okay. Just trust my voice. God has placed me in authority. Right. Instead of looking at the oneness that's there, like the more that I've studied even um, the book of Genesis, when we get the word helpmate, yeah. and helpmate is not assistant. It's actually the idea that I need somebody in my life that doesn't follow me, that's mm. coming alongside of me, that's because good. there is a task at hand for which I cannot do on my own. Right. It's not a subordinate. Right. 
this is one like me Absolutely. with me Absolutely. together and we are one. And so if we don't develop trust, no wonder why we're trying to lead with authority instead of with unity. Right. And, and that's, and it works, you know, my wife will say to me, Aaron, here's what's on my heart about our kids. Yeah. Here's what I'm concerned about in this area of our life. And it's amazing how many times I've having the same thoughts in my own spirit. And so she's learned to trust me. I've learned mm -hmm. to trust her. We're a team. I mean, you know, we, you don't think of Aaron and Jamie as separate individuals in a marriage. It's we're a team and, and we enjoy each other because yeah. we've been intentional at building that trust, building that confidence and walking through life together. And one of the problems I've seen within marriage is people are attacking marriage issues as singles. Mm, okay. Like for example, I was dealing with a couple the other day on the issue of pornography yeah. and I told them, I'm like, listen, um, you're gonna have to rebuild trust. Right. And this is not just on him. Right. You as a wife are gonna have to give opportunities to trust. Right. Um, the communication, I looked at him, I said, I want her checking up on you, but I want you initiating. There's no such thing as a single person marital issue. Right. The both of you work on it. God's goal is unity, the enemy's goal is division. Right. And so the, when we get in unif unification on things, we also develop trust. It's like I had a neighbor that I've never met come over to my house a couple of weeks ago asking to borrow my cordless drill. Right. And just, of course, I'm going to do it. I gave it. And for the next three days, I'm literally coming home from work, looking across the street through my window. Is Am I getting the drill right, back? Right, exactly. Is it is something actually going to happen? And it's like three days later, four days later, it shows up and it was broke. Of course. And of course. And I'm, I laugh at it, but I look, I'm like, I kept staring at the window wondering when is it coming? Why? Because there's no relationship. Right. And we have marriages that are just mm. wondering when are we going to talk again? Yep. When is there going to be forgiveness? When is our sexuality going to get regulated? When, when are we going to have fun? When are they going to grow up to meet my expectations? When, yeah. When yeah. are they going to step up to what I want them to do, even though Correct. I've never voiced it? When, when? And it just tells me there's a lack of trust, which means there's a lack of relationship. Right. And so sometimes with marriage, it's about getting back to the basics. Right. It's Jesus speaking to a church and saying, listen, you're you seem to be doing all the quote unquote right things. And I'm doing quotes on a right, podcast. Here. Right, right, right. I'm, you're there, doing you all did the, them very well. By thank the way. you. Yes. You're doing all the right things, but you got to get back and actually do the things you did once before. Right. Right. You can eat, you need, we need to get to know each other again. The things that won your spouse over in the first place. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. See what wins the heart keeps the heart. I love that. That's good. I run out of passion. When was the last time you dated your spouse? Right. Right. When was the last time you just simply talked? You were bored together. Took him or her to their favorite place or, and vice versa, spent time, unhurried time, unstructured time, yeah. just conversational time. Unasked for time. Unasked like you for initiated. Time. When was the last time you just got back to the basics? Because we pursued our spouse until the ring went on and we got into a mode. It's almost like Samson, where get, Samson gets to the end of his, is toward the end of his life and he has given away his secret, the secret to his strength. Right. Then all of a sudden the the attack comes and he says to himself, I'll just get up and do what I did before. Right. And I wonder if we've got a lot of pastors and marriages that just, I'll just keep going. I'll go home to the person that I've gone home to before. And I realize something has happened. Something's changed. And the yeah. scripture says the spirit of God had left him. Yeah. The same power doesn't exist. The same power yeah. is missing. Right. We just got to get back to the basics of what won the heart 
kept the heart, what what we started off with, our foundation of, of our love for Jesus, our love for each other, and how that works together. We got to get back to that. Love it. And we can't just name it and claim it. Right. I mean, yeah, it Jesus Jesus proclaimed, but he also said, go and do this. Yeah, yeah. He worked hard. He yeah, worked hard. Absolutely. So for us who are listening, that's great insight on marriage. For thus, us who are listening here to this podcast, who are in ministry, uh, in what ways, if you let it, again, I don't believe ministry is a sinister enemy attacking no, no, marriages, no, no. but I believe we let ministry into our marriages in an unhealthy way. What are some areas, and I guess secondarily, you can just jump off that. What are some areas that merit, uh, ministry has the potential to affect our marriage if we allow it? And secondarily, what are some healthy boundaries or processes you can put in place to combat that? I think, I'll just say it bluntly, I think ministry can be our mistress at times. Okay. It can be our choice spouse mm. because we have raised the calling so high in our life that we've raised it above our spouse, forgetting that our first calling is to our spouse. Right. I've been doing a study through First uh, Corinthians and Paul writing to the church in Corinth who they, they were pulling away from their spouses sexually or pulling away from their, their spouses altogether. And Paul's right. like, listen, you, you're forgetting the main responsibility. Right. They thought they were so spiritual that this would be the thing to do. And we forget our spouse is our first calling right. before our kids. Right. And by the way, the kids are the are calling before our our churches. Absolutely. We should not sacrifice our marriage on the altar of ministry. Right. Um, it should be something that should be the expression of what God is doing in our life and not now our identity. Because if you were to pull us out of our churches, that's one thing I ask pastors. Pull your pull yourself out of the mode. Are you still who you are? Right. Is your marriage still what it's supposed Absolutely. to be? Absolutely. Good question. And so I think if we can get ourselves to the place where we can recognize who we are and what our marriage is supposed to be beyond ministry and get that healthy, your healthy marriage will create better preaching, better teaching, right. better counseling, better ministry altogether. We don't do that for that. That's the fruit of it. Right. Having a better ministry is not going to create a better marriage. Right. It's right. your reversing cart before the horse. And so just being intentional about everything about your life. And one of the most simple things is, is looking at the pace that you're living, mm. looking at your week. Right. How often are you guys talking, purposely connecting? Do you date? Right. And you don't have to do things as a, like cost-wise. Like right. my, my wife and I, our first 10 years of our marriage, we had no money, but so we'd get Taco Bell and walk around Art Van, and the salesman left us alone because they're like, oh, that's the poor couple. They're not going <laughs> to buy anything. So we would just get tacos and just walk, yeah. uh, do trails just for us to reconnect, enjoy time together. Um, I think it's as simple as just hitting the reset button. How can we date again? Yeah. How can we pursue each other? What has changed in our love languages? Mm. My wife's love languages have transformed so many times over yeah. 24 years. But every time you change locations or ages or seasons of life, right. um, Sometimes your love languages can shift. And so sometimes we're speaking one language that worked in one season, but it doesn't work in this season. That's good. And so to me, pursuing your spouse, being a student of your spouse, adjusting your calendar, as well as adjusting the mannerisms for which you live, I think those two simple things can help propel you to start living a, a revitalized life I together. The greatest gift you can give your kids is a healthy marriage. The greatest thing you can give your church is a healthy family life. And I think the reason for that is because as a pastor, you're more healthy. The yeah. healthier you are, the healthier the church is, the healthier you lead. One of the parts of ministry that I think becomes difficult, and my wife set an early boundary for me mm -hmm. because I'm, I, you know, I'm not like my dad. My dad is very much more 
um, level all the time. I, I am, I feel deeply, I feel life deeply. Yeah. And, you know, I have the tendency, and I talk a lot when I have the tendency to come home and just say, Oh, here was my day. And oh, this went bad and this went bad. And I'm not like a negative focused person, but I, I would say the whole day. I think sometimes in ministry, we get consumed with the negativity of ministry mm-hmm. so much that we do need to talk to our spouse. We do need to share rather you're the guy or, or uh, the female or male uh, pastor and your mm-hmm. spouse's uh, uh, you know, been married for a long time or a short period of time, we tend to come home and we tend to talk about all the negative things in ministry. And you have to, and you won't go through that together, but sometimes it becomes so all consuming that yeah. you stop talking about life. And I, I don't know if you have the energy to fix what's wrong if you don't have a focus on what's right. So yeah. how does somebody go through a difficult season of ministry, truly difficult, mm-hmm. where you have to talk about it and it's hard and you both are feeling the pressure but at the same time, you keep your marriage healthy. Well, you got to get help. We've created this misnomer in ministry that pastors can't get help, right. specifically from professionals. That's true. Um, I don't mind telling my my congregation I get counseling. Right. And some some listening are going to think, well, that's being too vulnerable at the congregation. I don't think it is. I think you've just empowered them to say, if the guy I think who has a quote unquote perfect life is getting help, right. I need to get help. I agree. I, cre- I think creating vulnerability only helps create places for other people to be vulnerable with God and with themselves. Right. And so I think we've got to be willing enough to get help for ourselves as a, in terms of getting a counselor personally, getting a marriage counselor. And I think I put a little asterisk on that because instead of just getting it when times are bad, I think we should actually have at least a quarterly, quarterly visit with a counselor just to get a checkup like That's you good. would do a physical doctor. Right for physical issues, I should say. Well, like you get an oil change on your car before your engine goes bad. Right? Exactly. Yeah, right. who, who waits for the, the engine light to come right, on? Right, Do So, but getting yourself in position that you have solid um, doctors in your life, solid mentors. Anna and I have sat down with couples that are, that are a little bit more down the line than sure. us to get godly wisdom. Right. Um, we've got godly friends in our lives that we lean into that are, are objective, that love us enough to say the tough things. Right. Good. And so the enemy works in isolation. God works in community. So why wouldn't we deal with our marriages in community rather than suffering in isolation away from everybody else? And now we're open and ground for the enemy to attack us. I think that's healthy that you have life-giving people outside of yourself for when you're in those difficult seasons, yeah. they don't jump in the pit with you and start bringing dirt with them Yeah, that they have the ability to say, you're going to make it. Yeah. You're going to be okay. And you can sometimes just go and laugh. One of the greatest gifts that happened to me was a, a guy in my neighborhood. They weren't even Christians who just wanted to be fun. Yeah. And, and it wasn't about faith. And when I was going through some, a, a difficult stretch in ministry or life in general, just sitting on his back deck of his house, barbecuing chicken yeah. once or twice a week for that summer was medicine to my soul because he wasn't all about ministry. Mm-hmm. He wasn't negative. He was just fun. And that that helps me in my marriage when yeah. I reconnect with just being a person. Uh, and I think that's probably maybe one of the biggest things. We become a pastor yeah. and we forget we're a person. Oh, the, the, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I even heard this for years. Um, ministry is a lonely place. 
But I would add on a little caveat. Ministry isn't a lonely place if you allow it to. If you allow it to, right. We, we're called a network for a reason. Right. Is we need to be open to relationships, which means you need friendships. Ann and I have friendships outside of the church. Right. Do we hang out with people at our church? Yes. But we have friends outside of the church, even people who have left the church. Right. Um, we've got relationships. We do things that are life-giving into us. But when we position ourselves to do that, we're also uh, life receiving. Right. So we can give it and we can receive it. And that happens when we just get outside of the pulpit and outside of the church four walls and just begin to have conversations, real conversations. Like I talk with people in my community. We don't talk about church. We argue about the lions. We argue <laughs> about all sorts of Who things. Who doesn't? Exactly. But it's about positioning yourself to be vulnerable enough to be a true human being right. that has feelings, that has wants, desires, and, and allowing yourself to be human without having reverend in front right, of it. Right. Uh, I had a guy at the climbing gym pull me aside and he looked both ways like he was being really secret. And he's like, I have to ask you a question. I said, okay. He goes, are you the pastor who has tattoos that climbs? I'm like, <laughs> my, my name's Dave, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right, right. He goes, well, sorry, Pastor Dave. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm Dave. just Dave. Yeah. I think so many of us are trying to serve a mode. Yeah rather than just simply modeling who Jesus was. That's and that's what our marriages need. Your, your, your wife, your, your husband doesn't need Reverend so-and-so. Right. They need you. They married you. Right. They didn't marry the pulpit. They married you. Right. And we need to get back to the basics and get back to redating, right. rediscovering each other, reintroducing each other. Uh, I met with a couple. They came in after 35 years of marriage, and I was so proud of them. Uh, came in off the street. Right. And they just simply wanted help for their marriage. And... I, I felt like I was just reintroducing them to each other, asking them, we literally identifying what are your love languages now? Right. And then asking the other person, what did you assume they were? And just watching the look on their face Absolutely. of them rediscovering, this is not who I married. Right. But this is who I am married to. Right. And now how do we move forward? That It's, it's powerful. So summarizing, be life-giving, life-receiving, yeah. be a person. Remember the priority of your marriage is your number one priority. Yeah. Uh, don't become consumed. Don't let ministry consume your marriage. Yes. Uh, ministry is a part of your life, but it is not the necessarily, it's not necessary to let it consume you. And then lastly, intentionally date, intentionally yeah. continue developing to win each other's hearts. Uh, I think one of the greatest things you can do is just daily wake up and be grateful that yeah. God gave you your husband or your wife mm -hmm. and say, this is, this is God's gift to my life. And how do I steward them? Cause you've given them to me, God. Yeah. How do I walk in that? A, Final thoughts. A practice that I've had two practices that we've had in our marriage and in our family, we've done this to our kids is we will look at each other, especially when, when things feel a little bit, a little bit stressful and we'll hold up three fingers and say, what are your three things? Okay. And we will go like a month, two months straight every day. What are your three things? And it's, what are the three things you're most thankful for? Right. And it's, it's to get our mode into a place of gratitude and recognizing what we have. Right. The other side is just find a way to have fun again. Yeah, right. It's so simple yeah. that the people I want to hang out with, honestly, when I'm at uh, network council, yeah. the people I look for, it's not the people that debate the best. <laughs> right. It's the people that I just want to sit and laugh with. Right. And, and like this past year, went out to lunch with a handful of people, some of which I'd never met before, and I couldn't wait to see again. Met a missionary yesterday for the first time face-to-face, -face, yeah. and I called my wife. I said, I found a new friend. Yeah, right. We, we, we could have talked for another hour. We laughed so much. And yeah. some of you just need to regain your smile in right. your marriage. And, well, how do, we do, how, would, how do we do that, Dave? I don't know your marriage. Right. But find, find out. Don't assume. 
Right. Find out. I had a couple sit in my in my office. They said, I said, what did you used to do? Uh, when we dated, we went to bull riding, which I'm like, okay. They said, but we shouldn't do that anymore. That's what we did when we were younger. I'm like, do you like it? Yes. Well, go do it. Right. Go have fun. Go right. have fun. Do right. what you do and regain your smile. Right. And I'm telling you what, the joy of the Lord is your strength for a reason. Right. Absolutely. And so it's not the misery of ministry. It's the joy of the Lord. So refine your joy in him and your joy in each other. And I promise you, things will begin to become apparent. Not fall into place, but be apparent of what's next. Regain the smile. Yeah, and do that individually and as a couple. You know, that's one of the great things of our relationship is your favorite comment is when I call you and say, guess what dumb thing I did today? And we laugh. Yes. Part of us laughing gives me that joy in my life to do that and be a part of a joy-filled person that I bring to the marriage yeah. that I have. It's it's the friendships, it's the laughter. So Dave, thank you so much for this. And again, I encourage you to reach out to Dave. He's always willing. If you have a marriage struggle and want to know resources, rather it's his or others, please reach out to Dave. You can do so through Facebook, social media, Instagram, any of those things. Yeah. And uh, we're so grateful. Dave, again, thanks for your heart for marriage, healthy ministry and marriage. And thanks for being a great uh, leader and a great friend. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining the L3 podcast. We pray that it has been beneficial to both you and your ministry. If you would like to know more about the Michigan Ministry Network, please feel free to visit mmn.ag.